0: Today's episode is brought to you by the ladies of Annette Chatoyer. Annette Chatoyer is a popular statement accessories collection started in 2021 by Ashley Gentry and Elizabeth Dansby in Houston, Texas and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The two founders wanted to grow their passion for networking, wearing beautiful pieces, and encouraging others to live an unapologetically authentic life. Annette Chatoyer pieces are designed in-house and handmade by a team of female artisans in India. The brand utilizes fun color palettes, unique hand beading, and hand embroidery techniques and statement styles to establish go-to pieces for your wardrobe that you'll be grabbing to wear again and again. Today, listeners can enjoy 20% off with our code HSDT20 at Annettechatoyer.com. You can also check out their beautiful pieces on Instagram at AnnetteChatoyer. Be sure to check them out. Hi, everyone. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? a podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I am so happy that you're here, and I'm so eager to share my conversation with Shannon Latham of Little English and Bisbee. This is a conversation that is so heartwarming. It's so encouraging. The longevity of this business and all that Shannon has built, um, both on her own uh, and then bringing her daughter done into the fold, it's quite impressive. And I know you guys are going to enjoy But before we dive in, I just want to say a quick hello, wishing you guys a very happy summer. I hope you all had an awesome weekend. We had an incredible weekend. We live here in Southern California and had a very California kind of weekend, but I just wanted to share briefly, I had the privilege of meeting a listener over the weekend in Malibu, and it was so incredibly encouraging to do so, to be able to put names and faces to the numbers that we're seeing on our end as to who's listening It's very surreal. It's very surreal, and it just continues to be so exciting. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. We have a wide variety of episodes for you to listen to, likely brands you're familiar with, and maybe some new ones that you might want to check out. And there's so many fun things coming for the podcast. I found that this is my favorite thing to do, and we are figuring it out as we go. We have Friday bonus episodes that cover kind of the details as to what the podcast looks like and how you guys can continue to support. And one of the best ways of doing so is just heading over to anchor.fm slash how'd she do that and becoming a monthly supporter. I can't tell you how much it means to us when we receive those monthly support. Uh, It just It's the wind in our sails as we continue on and as we continue each week, every Tuesday, to bring you a new episode like the one today. You guys, we have so many fun things coming up this summer, this fall. Uh, We're going to have some opportunities to potentially meet you guys in person. Uh, The excitement is real. We have a lot coming up and I'm so So grateful that you're part of each step. And with all of that in mind, let's get started on today's episode. Here is Shannon Latham on How'd She Do That. Hi everyone, and welcome to today's episode of How'd She Do That. Today's guest, Shannon Latham, is the mother of the mother-daughter duo behind Little English and Bisbee. Little English is a woman-owned and operated design house with tradition at its heart. Inspired by the exceptional quality of hand sewn clothing and her belief that children should be well dressed, Shannon founded Little English in 2004. As head of design, Shannon works side by side with her daughter Dunn to create seasonal collections. Today, Little English is an upscale lifestyle brand that can be purchased through their website as well as in fine boutiques across the U.S. and major luxury retailers such as Bergdorf Goodman, Neiman Marcus, and more. When the ladies aren't working on new designs, admiring clients in their beautiful pieces, or continuing to grow their business, they are likely enjoying time with their family in Lexington, Kentucky. Shannon, welcome to How'd She Do That?
1: Thank you. It's so nice to be here, Emily.
0: Well, I am so excited that you're joining me and you're back from a big trip, so I'm so grateful that you would take some time to speak with me this morning
1: absolutely absolutely happy to what a what a lovely introduction thank oh. you
0: well i hope that you can kind of sit there and take it all in because an introduction like that is quite impressive i just named some retailers that you're at and and we have quite a bit to discuss there's a lot to unpack here so why don't we get started i'd love to kind of start at the beginning stage of my guest and and kind of that beginning season which i think really kind of starts in college when you're thinking about what what you might want to do. So perhaps you tell us. Where did you go to school, and what did you major in?
1: Well, I went to SMU, Southern Methodist University in Dallas, and um, which I absolutely loved. I was there mm-hmm. in the um, mid '80s, uh, yes. eighty-three to eighty-seven, and I majored in advertising management. Uh, with a minor in art history and oh. um, loved my time there. Just it's such a fabulous school. And of course, Dallas is such a you know wonderful city. Oh. And, um, you know, advertising was just such a, a great background for me and, and what I'm doing now, obviously, mm-hmm. um, oh. and learning how to brand and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, that's uh, where
0: it all started, I guess. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Well, it's fun to think back to that season of life for you. Tell me this, where are you from originally? Where were you coming from to Dallas?
1: I'm from Memphis originally. Okay. Um, went to an all-girls school, the um, Hutchison School. And um, my family had a home in Memphis, but we also had a beautiful Antebellum home um, in Mississippi, about oh. 25 minutes outside of Memphis. And that was really sort of the foundation um, for our home. My parents bought it when I was four uh-huh. and lovingly restored it, and um, really was the center of a lot of our activities growing up. And, um, you know, really kind of set the stage, I guess, for myself in loving to. Um, decorate and garden and ride horses and Uh entertain from having watched my parents and all of that. But um, my sister had gone to SMU Uh and she is six years older than I am. And so I just decided I was going to follow in her footsteps. (laughs) As sisters do. We do do that,
0: don't we? Well, this is so fun. So tell me this, what did you think you were going to be doing with that advertising major when you were in school? What What was the hope at that season?
1: You know, at the time, I wasn't really sure. Um, uh, in Dallas, you know, everybody wanted to work for the big ad agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I would probably move home to Memphis. The mm-hmm. the pull back to our family where, you know, where all of our family is, was, was very strong at that young age. Mm Um, so my first job out of school, I worked for the Memphis business journal, um, which is a business publication that came out weekly and, um, started more in, um, sales of the actual publication to different companies for them to subscribe to it and that sort of thing. And then they also had their hands, um, in another publication called the memphis healthcare news um, which was obviously a business to business um, newspaper and they tapped me to work on advertising sales at that new publication so i did that for a few months and then that same entity that owned both of those publications also owned memphis magazine which was our city magazine um, like you know, Dallas Magazine and all the yeah. um, different city magazines around, and I moved over there um, and started in ad sales, and really um, spent several years there, kind of um, using that advertising background, putting um, you know strategies together and that sort of thing, and presenting different um, advertising packages and helping people you know grow their business through the use of advertising, and then. Um, from there they started Memphis magazine started another publication oh that was called Mid South Bride. And they needed a special projects manager on um when they started that up and that sort of meant someone who understood the advertising but also had events planning and could put on like trade show exhibits and that sort of thing. And, um, I had just had my daughter and, um, was wanting to work maybe three days a week, not five days a week. And so I moved over into that position for the bridal publication and that kind of, you know, um, took in all of my skills from decorating to entertaining to, you know, understanding, um, you know, marketing and merchandising and all of that. And, Mm -hmm. um, that was a you know really fun opportunity as well
0: Oh my goodness. Well, it's fun to think about those early stages as you were stepping into what it sounds like really paired nicely with your major. So sometimes we have guests on that say the craziest majors and it doesn't, no dots can possibly connect to what they're doing now. But for yeah. you, that early stage, it does sound as though that was right in the trajectory that you hoped for and expected. And it does sound like you were there for quite a bit of growth. Now, tell me this, because you mentioned you had your daughter. And so you're looking to, I'm guessing, potentially pull back on, like you said, working a, a full time you know, role and whatnot. When, when did you look around and start thinking that you could potentially have your own business? Am I getting way ahead of myself? What did that look like?
1: Well, I think uh, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My mm-hmm. father, um, my brothers, and my sister owns her own company as well and um i I knew in my gut forever that I wanted to own my own business. I never knew what it was going to be. I did uh-huh. uh, I was always fascinated with sort of import export, although that's not anything that I studied. I just there was uh, I was around a lot of people um in Dallas whose families were involved in that type of business. Mm-hmm. and um, I like international travel, as I just told you, we just got back from Kenya. Um, yep. I just knew that I wanted to somehow be involved um in import, export, um starting my own company again, having an interior background. I always kind of thought it might play more into decor um right. and then, as you said, let's go ahead and leap ahead because I did work in advertising for um oh, I don't know uh, probably. Eight years, I guess. Oh, and wow. then my husband was offered a job in Lexington, Kentucky as the general manager of one of the um large thoroughbred um horse farms here. And so, so we made the move, um, which no one could believe. I was, you know, that both of us, he's a Memphian as well. He went to the University uh-huh. of Virginia. Oh, and my gosh. um you know, for, for the two of us to choose to leave Memphis, it was a, you know, kind of a big deal that one never thought, I guess, that we would, because both of our families were, you know, so rooted in Memphis.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, when we moved here, I didn't work for, you know, quite a while, um, two or three years. And mm-hmm. then um, I, you know, started thinking about, you know, starting my, my, own, my own company and what would that be? And. And that's kind of, you know, um, I kind of actually had the time to uh, begin to uh, think about what that might look like. So.
0: Well, I love it. I, I love every single entity of this. And I feel so connected to you, especially as you're mentioning the import and export of of curiosity about how does that work? What? the heck does that look like for people to figure out how to ship things over and sell things? And, and so I love where how your brain is working and, and what you're interested in that time. Now, tell me this. You guys moved to Lexington. You have these years to kind of be brainstorming and thinking, okay, what could be next for me? Do you remember what the prompting felt like for you to say, okay, I am going to do this? What, what was your main... Source of inspiration at that season of the business, those early days was it you just wanted to do something on the side or were, at that time do you think I'm going to grow this to be huge what What were your thoughts at that season? do you think
1: um when I moved here before before I moved here from Memphis, I had a a cousin who lived in Peru. And she, it was actually my husband's cousin, and she would send me these adorable little Peruvian sweaters. And they were, my daughter Dunn would wear them with her, you know, Oshkosh overalls. She'd wear them with her little smock dresses and everybody commented on them. And I thought, you know, maybe I should import some of those and just do like a little truck show with them. And I had reached back out to her and um, she had been working with the U.S. Embassy there And she and her husband, um, unfortunately at the time, were getting ready to move back to the States. Mm. And she was going to be sort of my connection, you know, to um, bringing those sweaters in, that sort of thing. Um, And then when we moved to, so I kind of put that on the back burner. And when we moved to Lexington, um, uh, we sort of um, were able to uh, reconnect with another friend here And her sister was living in Peru and we um, began importing sweaters together and had that um, little business for a while. And then I sold out of that business in 2004 and um, started Little English and um, started Little English with the idea of um, these beautiful, long, white nightgowns that my grandmother used to smock for me and uh, my cousins and all of us. And, um, that's really kind of where the idea for little English came up, um, and just doing some long smocked white day gowns to the floor. And then I did a little two piece set for boys with just a little bit of smocking on the pocket. And, um, I went to market and started selling them and, um, uh, they were very well received. People loved them. We went, uh, I think we were in about a hundred stores within our first year.
2: Oh my And,
1: gosh. um, and it just kind of took off from there. They started asking for clothes and, um, you know, it just evolved into something much larger than what I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, I, I was going to try and do something just out of the basement of my home for a while and <laughs> it quickly grew, you know, within two years I was out of the basement um, we were in, you know, 250 plus stores um, by our second or third year, probably our third year,
2: oh and
1: um, you know, we were doing all all types of clothes, dresses, John John's bubbles, um, travel accessories, um, pillows with smocking. It just kind of um, kept kept evolving, you know. And I kept trying to come up with gift ideas and things like that that we could add to the line. Um, so it really did. When it took off, it took off.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is definitely the quote of the episode. I think when it took off, it took off, and boy, did it! For those of you who are listening and you know what we're talking about, you know little English and, and you're familiar. I- I'm so impression and right off the bat, just to hear you know, and you casually mentioned this back in 2004. You you know um, were bought out of that other business and were able to leave or or sell out whatever that um, kind of looks like. And um, I think okay, wait a second though. Hold on. Because 2004, I mean, that's not crazy long, long time ago. And then what year did Little English start?
1: Um, I sold out in 2003 2003. and I started Little English in 2004.
0: Oh, started in 2004. So how long were you with that other um, company that started with the Peruvian sweaters? Probably six years. Okay. Okay. So so you're getting really, I mean, gosh, a, a little bit of a crash course in those six years as to what it could look like. But then you turn around and you're starting a little English, like you said, with those very specific pieces. Now, you just mentioned, in, in my opinion, a really, really crazy growth trajectory. And tell me this because this is before and shocker to my listeners. You know, this is before social media. Yeah, this is before social media. (laughs) So before Facebook. So we need Shannon. We need a crash course in growth offline because I think so many people these days. You know, you they put so all of their eggs maybe into the basket of popping off online. Oh, if this person shares, or if this person's wearing it. What do you credit those early days of growth without the resources we so heavily rely on now
1: um, a lot of footwork um a lot of um traveling to market yep. um, <clears throat> you know being present, being in front of um your boutiques and your customers, also doing a lot of um Uh, what I call pop-up shows, which Mm -hmm. a lot of people do now as well. Mm -hmm. But that was really our bread and butter back then. You know, um, having grown up in Memphis, which is, you know, the heart of the South, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the hearts of the South, I guess. And having such strong family connections there. I had been a member of the Junior League of Memphis before I moved to Lexington. And they had a they always had a, like a Christmas bazaar kind of thing that they did maybe in like November, I guess. Yep. And, um, I remember taking little English there, um, my nightgowns and, um, setting up my display and, you know, within the first two days, I think we'd sold like $20,000 worth of, you know, smocked nightgowns. Oh, um, goodness. and I knew I had a business. I mean, I knew that there was, you know, uh, this thing had legs. Yes. And um, everybody was crazy about them. And that's who kept asking me, What about the clothes? You know, why don't you do dresses? And I said, oh, everybody does smock dresses. And they said, Yes, but, you know, we want them from you. So, um, you know, that's where um, that background in advertising and um, understanding how to brand mm-hmm. um, a company really, I think. Was the difference? It, it, you know, yes, my designs um, and obviously people liked them, mm-hmm. um, but my background is not really design. My background is marketing, branding, advertising, positioning a company, wow. and um, to me, that's where my strengths really lie
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: from a business side. You now, obviously, obviously the design is. <laughs> is there, but it's (laughs) traditional children's clothes. It's, you know, you you work within a framework when you work with classic children's clothes. Um, there's nothing to, you know, out there. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I really feel like the strength of, um, our success, um, has been not only our classic designs, but our consistency, our marketing, our branding, and that goes from, hitting the pavement and doing shows in not just Memphis, but Birmingham and Chicago Mm -hmm. and St. Louis. And we would go in and um, rent an open retail space and take all of our merchandise. If we didn't have a store in that area and we'd send out mailers to, you know, I'd collect mail, you know, Christmas lists from friends in the area and I'd call people, you know, who went to camp and, And um, just friends of friends and say, you know, can you give me a list of who you think might be interested? Can you tell all your friends? Can you email them? And um, we would kind of gather a list of four or five hundred people and send a postcard and um, people would show up, which was even better. Um, And and, we'd move our product, which was great. And, you know, most of the people were gifting it to granddaughters or friends or, you know, yes. what, showering people with our gifts. And that really, um, helped, uh, it was kind of the social media of the day, you know, kind of really helped, uh, spread like wildfire our name. And, yep. um, people started, you know, trying to sign up with us so that they could find out about our next sale and that sort of thing. And of uh-huh. course our stores, maybe right? the boutiques we were in, um, you know, uh, A long time ago, um, everyone went to specialty boutiques for their clothes. And um, the older ladies who owned those stores at the time had such tremendous following and um, were just a wealth of knowledge um, for me and for other people who owned other brands, you know, and helping us know um, what type of products they wanted and what types of fabrics and that sort of thing. So um, yes, it was very old fashioned way of doing business. <laughs> you know, I, d- I did all the design, I did all the photography, my oh. children were the models, you know, <laughs> you it's know, the, I did all the basement the, of my home. Yes. I mean, oh. It's just, you know, well, it's the, the old days. And,
0: it's the tried yeah. and true kind of, kind of way of business. And I love you, you just mentioned, it's almost like the uh, you know, I, I often think of my podcast, and I think of my guest, and I think of the season of life that I was in—a sorority. And then I, I hear you talking about those boutique owners, the sway that they had, you know, and the yes. the confidence that they could give a customer in, oh, well, you must look at this. You know, it's just so fun to think about. And I think that there's so many elements in your story that we can really gain a, a lot of wisdom from you know and and get out from behind a screen and go see these people go go out into the world and to the boutiques that are hosting your pieces or ones you dream of being in you know and and I I love I love that that theme that that you've just shared with us well tell me this because I am so curious as you mentioned from those early years just the the idea early on in in your life and career of thinking about okay how do I import this? How do I get this? You had such tremendous growth. Where were you originally sourcing? Because I know, you know, currently when people want to get a product, they find it online or maybe they go visit a manufacturer. What did that look like for you in those beginning days to say, okay, I want these nightgowns. Where did you get them from? And even to this point, how did you know how to price them? What What was that experience like?
1: Well. um I knew that, um, El Salvador is where I went for smocking. Um, you know, having been in the industry of just the children's apparel, I knew that, um, smocking was, um, done beautifully in El Salvador. It was really a specialty of them. And, and each country sort of has its specialty. You know, we use Peru for our knits and our crochet and Mm. a lot of our, um, sweaters and that sort of thing. Um, we use El Salvador for a lot of our smocking, um, a lot of our basics. And then, um, so that's where I went originally was to El Salvador, okay. um, to answer your question. I, I got online and, um, found a company and, um, called and, uh, was darling girl, answered the phone. She spoke beautiful English. And, you know, I had no idea I was just calling El Salvador. I didn't know who I was going to get. And um, we have ended up being great friends. Um, She was a graduate of Harvard and studied economics. Uh And um, she rode horses. I rode horses. Her children rode horses. My children rode horses. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, the best way to do this is just for me to just get on a plane and go down there and meet you and, you know, meet her and figure out, you know, how to move forward with this. Um, And she said, you know, if you're willing to do it, that's, that's the best way she had just started her company as well. And, um, so I bought a plane ticket and I remember I came out of the basement and told my husband I was going to El Salvador and he said, what, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I said, well, I've already talked to her. He said, how do you know that's a girl? Yes, I said, yes. <laughs> I spoke with her, but anyway, um, and off oh, I went oh and, gosh. um, and you know, 18 years later, we're still very good friends. Our families are very good friends. My wow. father and I go um, and my husband go to El Salvador to go hunting and, um, and, uh, my father travels with her uncles and oh. <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been a fun, a fun friendship. Um, mm. and obviously she puts out a tremendous product, but she was, um, my first supplier okay. and is still one of my most important suppliers. Um, and then of course we, you know, we move on from there to, yes. Um, to other countries, but for pricing um, to start with, you know, you're looking at uh, if uh, some of the facilities will uh, um, offer you the fabrics that they carry Mm -hmm. and then other facilities, you need to purchase your own fabric Uh. and ship to them. Um, You know, some do a little of both, that sort of thing. So at the time I was using the fabric that she had available, which for the nightgowns was just a real pretty, White, sort of a dobby um, cotton, yep. and um, and then of course you know I would hand draw um, the design that I wanted her to smock um, mm-hmm. around the neck. They were just really bishops, but they were cut long all the way to the floor,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and then we would work with our um, your typical DMC thread colors, um, which are the same you know um, threads that you might uh, need a point with. Um, smock with if you're a smocker. And they use the DMC threads in Central America. So it was easy for me to reference those colors up here and be able to email her and tell her, you know, where those colors went and that sort of thing. And they would do a a small little uh, sample prototype of the um, smocking and then send it to me and I would approve it or change, you know, make my changes. Mm -hmm. And then they would, you know, provide me with my samples. I would tell them I, I need you know, three size four T's, um, that I would be using not only in my showroom but for photo shoots, and they you know would send me those. And um, so as for costing, you know they would give you a unit cost, and then obviously um, I was selling to the wholesale market, so mm-hmm. you you know double that, and then you double that again for retail. And you know we weren't selling online yet, um, but we were selling at our um, pop up shops, our where you know we called them warehouse sales, but they or more pop-up shops, mm-hmm. um, so that's how the, the pricing, you know,
0: sort of works with that. Oh well, I love it. I love it. I love every detail of your story, and and just to think of how I mean, it's just incredible to think of, like you mentioned, the family connections, the longevity of these relationships, and the longevity of your business to the point. And this is really fun. Now, remind me, you have done, who of course works with you, and other kids as well, right? Yes, we have a son. My husband and I have a son who just turned 20. Okay.
1: And um, he is at TCU. Oh, great. And um, yeah, he loved SMU too, but he chose TCU. (laughs) He loved Fort Worth. I think it's just a little bit more laid back, which fit him beautifully. Um, And
0: uh, anyway. Okay, so you had two models early on. Yes. 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 (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. It's so sweet. Well, I wanted to confirm that because the the next entity and what I think is so amazing, and this is definitely a first for how she do that, that we would have a mother that comes on. And now we can also share that Dunn does work with you. Tell us a little bit, because I know that you saw an immense amount of growth and I'm guessing throughout Dunn's elementary, middle school, high school, you are doing little English. Isn't that right?
1: Yes. Um uh, yes, she wow. was let's see, my son was um how old was he? He was two oh when I goodness. started um Little English and Dunn was um eleven.
2: Oh my and, goodness. Yeah, so, so all fun. of their
1: lives, bless their hearts. I was <laughs> saying, Gotta go, running to market today, gotta go to Atlanta. They were like, bye. They were, Dunn, write these little notes in my and le put them tuck them in my suitcase for me, you know, uh, have a great show and uh, knock it out knock them out of the ballpark. And it uh, was so sweet. And um anyway. And yeah, so they grew up with a working mom for sure. Yeah. Um but I was also, you know, um I was balancing little English uh trying I'm trying to figure out how to say this, trying to yeah. you know, keep it going and sustain it. Yep. But I wasn't so overly focused on it because, you know, I was a wife to um, a wonderful man who has a, had a very thriving um, thoroughbred business as well. So yeah. we were entertaining his clients when they came into Lexington. We were traveling a lot. And then Again, back to my interior design. You know, love just love of that, and and the lifestyle that my husband and I, you know, chose to live. We both were very passionate about having our own farm and building our own house, which Mm -hmm. we've done three or four times. So (laughs) that was all. You know, we were always moving, and um, we bought a big farm here. We, you know, Mm -hmm. completely dismantled the house. We put it back together. Oh my gosh! You know, and that was a, you know, that was a big three year endeavor. And, um, at the same time of, you know, maintaining little English and, and keeping that going. And, um, so really, uh, I would say when Dunn graduated, she went to Ole Miss and she has a beautiful, beautiful voice and she, um, has a degree in opera and art history. Oh my gosh. And, um, so no design background, But, um, she has a tremendous eye. Um, I like to say it's a more modern eye than mine, a lot cleaner Mm. of an eye, Mm -hmm. um, just a little bit more modern focused, still extremely traditional. Um, but the modern, you know, a nod more to the modern than I was at the time. And she came, uh, home from almost, I think graduated in 2015 and she didn't think she wanted to work for me. And I said, that's fine. You know, and then I had an employee who got engaged and moved away and I needed help going to Atlanta. And I said, will you please go with me? She had a fabulous theater background. She always had all the leads in the musicals um, around here and has no problem singing and performing in front of thousands of people. So I knew she'd do great in my showroom. Yes. It was in um, I had um I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but no, I had great. opened my own corporate showrooms. I had left my reps um oh, wow. and had kind of gone about a year prior to that and had gone out on our own my own. And so not only had we, you know, were we in the process of building our, our big farm, you know, I had pulled um Little English away from my reps and had opened my own showroom. So I then now was committed to going to all of those Shows, gift market, both the apparel markets. I was traveling six to eight weeks a year. Oh my um, gosh. On top of having a young son at home, you know, a daughter in college. And anyway, so when she came home, I said, please come with me. And she went and she loved meeting all of our boutique owners, became friends with them. She did, of course, a fabulous job showing the line and sort of parroting what I would say. And she grew up around, you know, hearing about the business, obviously and um so she said well i'll, I'll kind of keep helping you a little bit mom as we go but i'm not sure this is what you know i said okay you know and then uh she got more and more into it and she was like you know I think I can really help you. Let me work on your social media. I was like, great, how about it? You know, <laughs> yes, we had it. And the and the lovely people who worked for me before did a nice job. But she was just of the age, you know, especially Instagram had just kind of come out and maybe it had been out for two, two, three years, something like that. But, you know, she didn't realize, nor did I, of being an actual user of Instagram, how much she really knew on how to go about reaching people like herself and others who were, you know, really embedded and invested in that platform. Right. And that was one of the big changes that my company saw. And I think everybody around us, all of our customers and even our competitors were seeing how quickly, social media was helping our company grow and how well um, her, her, not just her eye for choosing the photography that we were using, but her language and how she was describing um, our brand to our consumers and how she was reaching out to, you know, and really touching um, our buyers who were following along with us. And she grew us from like, I think we were around, Six or seven thousand people, yeah. and we now are up to almost eighty thousand followers. But I mean, she did that, and I mean, we were at like sixty five thousand in a matter of two years. Oh my um, gosh, and you know, of course, that then translates over into Facebook. But um, there were so many things that she was helpful with, um, you know, uh, technology wise, as well as having someone to really bounce my ideas off of and and for her to bring in new ideas on design and um she's also very good at streamlining processes where I am um, as they like to say,
0: never enough. Never enough. <laughs> I'm literally Shannon, same.
1: Throw it all, the, throw it all the, at the window. I'm like, oh, let's
2: do this. Let's do this.
1: Let's oh do
2: my this. Gosh, yes. Like, okay, literally, let's same. Do
1: that is yeah, so like, funny. Let's, let's start here, and then we'll <laughs> kind of move to the next thing. So it's, um, it's been a joy for me, mm. uh, a surprise for her. I think to to yeah. see her business talents that she, I don't think thought she had, Um, you know, she's very competitive um, in business. And um, anyway, has just been a a fabulous
0: partner. Well, it's amazing. And for the timing to pan out in such a way that you had someone heading off and really saying, oh, please come and help. And then for Dunn to be able to look around and, and think, okay, this is a great great option for me and to thrive, to thrive in such a way that she has. And I want to just pause and and say to the listener, are you a Shannon or a Dunn? Because I'm definitely a Shannon and the never enough entity. (laughs) Or are you more of a Dunn? Do you like things streamlined with that modern eye? It's so fun to think about. And I just, I I couldn't adore your story more and then adding in the the sweetest element of all. um, And it speaks a lot to you that Dunn would want to join you. And And I think, too, another takeaway that I have just from this conversation and and specifically a portion of it that you just shared, I think there's someone likely listening that can be very encouraged by your keeping little English going. And it sounds as though you kept it going with, in some seasons, without much stress of this has to grow. This has to be bigger. We have to do more. It seems as though you really kept it to a place that you wanted it around you. You got it up and running. You have things working well. And then in different seasons, you've been able to do that boost and do that push. Um, and gosh, just all of the other entities that you and your husband were involved in, it's so impressive to to know that Little English sustained and, and moved forward. And To add to this craziness, Shannon, as if you guys did not have enough going on, I believe it was 2018 or 2019, you launched another company? What?
2: (laughs) Yes, yes,
1: (laughs) yes. Um, Dunn and I um, thought about how could we extend little English. At the time, we were only going six months to size six, and we had had just such tremendous growth from 2015 Um, to 18, I think is, you know, in three years, we were just, our wholesale sales, uh, our customers were just um, amazing to us and um, really helped put our brand, um, you know, out there even stronger. They were buying deeper and deeper into our lines, obviously with our recommendation, but, and with us, um, you know, providing strong basics for them as sort of the Legs to the whole brand. Um, we kept feeding our basics program and trying to get that strong. So we were kind of, you know, do we take little English up to size fourteen? What, oh, know, like, what do we I do? See. And at I see. the time, we thought one of the one of the, I guess maybe not one of the most difficult things to do is um, is is finding fabrics. And um, in South America. Um, so when you, when you design in South America, you're either purchasing fabrics from Spain and Italy and Brazil and, or, or wherever, and you're shipping them to your sewing facilities. And you're sort of using what you know, is available to you at several different, different mills. And, um, and we also design a lot of our own fabric now as well. And Dunn has been very instrumental in that as well. But we thought, why don't we go to Hong Kong where they have like thirty streets of fabrics, literally, and you just you walk from store to store, and you're just picking up uh, samples, swatches that are like four inches by four inches, oh my gosh. and you know you're pulling all this just fabulous fabrics and textures, and go and get inspired. And so we did, and we thought we were going to extend Little English to size fourteen at the time. And then um, we met with our manufacturer over there that we had been introduced to and spoke to them. And I don't know, somehow we just kind of got this gut feeling of let's, there were so many fabrics that were so fabulous, but they didn't fit our classic look, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we loved them and we knew that they could hang in the closet with little English or they'd be like sort of the next step for our very conservative moms and, and little girls who yes. wanted to wear, and boys who wanted to wear very conservative things, this would sort of be the next step up from them, for them. And so, um, we decided to not brand it with little English. We decided to, um, call it Bisbee. It is an all girls line. It is, um, started out to be more of a size four to 14 type brand, but, you know all mothers have little babies too and everybody wants to match so we went ahead and, and added in with our um you know our infant sizes as well and um it has been so fun um the textures and fabrics and things that we've been able to find in Hong Kong um were fabulous. So we designed the line um got it all ready for market we got another showroom um just two over from our showroom in Atlanta we Decorated it and branded it out and um, went to market in January of 2020 and opened it to great success. All of our stores um, that carried Little English picked up the line and at different levels of, you know, different amounts. And we were overwhelmed at um, how um, trusting our, our stores were with us and knowing that we would deliver a good product. And then um Mar- you know we've taken half a million dollars worth of orders and COVID hits. <laughs> oh my god. And we we're like, okay, now what do we do? Um so it uh we kind of sat on those orders for about two more months because you know it hit China before it hit here. So yes. at the end of February we started hearing some rumblings. And then, you know, obviously in March is when the U.S. closed down. But by um, April and May, our South American sewing facilities were closing that were sewing Little English for us. And then by the end of April, beginning of May, when when South America was closing, China uh, mills and, and sewing facilities were opening back up.
2: Oh, so wow. we went ahead
1: and put in our big purchase order. We just decided, you know what? Everybody's going to be pulling back. A lot of people were canceling their purchase orders with a lot of their sewing facilities because nobody knew what yeah. was going to happen. And we just crossed our fingers and took a, you know, leap of faith and thought, you know, if there's going to be less on the marketplace, it's going to give us an opportunity to to sell. Wow. Yeah. So we went ahead and place the purchase order. And it came in, um, I think maybe in August and, um, you know, we rolled it out and it, it did great in all the stores and it's just continued each, each season it continues to grow. And, um, it's been a lot of fun. Oh,
0: so. my gosh. Well, you, you said it so eloquently and, and communicated and explained kind of the idea behind it, but I love that it is the option. It's kind of the the next step from that traditional look. It's it's a little fun fun and, and a little different. And I love that you guys thought too, you know, this might not be under the umbrella of Little English, so why not start Bisbee, right. which is so impressive. And it's, it's just so fun. I mean, to unpack your story and to see where you guys are now, um, it's just been too much fun. I, I feel like I could speak with you forever, but tell me this. And I always love to ask guests this question. I, and I give a little bit of a, a, a preface. It's, it's, it's a little loaded, but, but what would you say is perhaps the greatest lesson you have learned?
1: Wow. There's so many. <laughs> um, the first is, um, you know, just keep moving forward. Mm. Um, you know, focus on yourself. Um, and when I say yourself, I mean, your business, Mm -hmm. don't look outside your own business. Um, you know, uh, obviously you're going to be paying attention to competitors and that sort of thing, but you know, you need to do you, you Mm -hmm. know, as as I always tell my kids, you do you. (laughs) Um, and it really is, um, that and just not stopping, you know, is just such an entrepreneurial, I guess, way of thinking that's just sort of been ingrained in me is that, you know, um, you just keep moving forward um, really has been the biggest lesson. And, um, and, and, and trying to find, you know, that work life balance as well. Um, And hiring an incredible team. Mm -hmm. um, That's always, you know, obviously extremely important, um, hire people that are smarter than you Mm.
2: and let them do
1: their work. You know, when we hire people here, we tell them we are not micromanagers. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's no way, um, no, no right way, um, to do, there's no one way to do everything, Mm. you know, um, just find out what works for you, uh, write it down, explain it to us. So we know kind of your process and, um, and then, you know, let it go. And if everybody's got ideas, they, they bring them to us and we say, yep, let's try it. You know? so cool.
2: Um,
1: but I would say that, you know, the biggest lesson is just to keep moving forward and, um, you don't look at failure as failure. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's just really the kind of a strong word to swallow. It's not really in a real entrepreneur's spirit to look at things as a failure. It's just sort of is um, maybe a block that's in front of you that makes you bend a little bit more one way or the other um, in a different direction. And um, usually,
0: usually, not always, um, those things can turn into real blessings. Mm, I love it. It's such an encouragement. And yes, that sometimes, often, oftentimes in conversations, there's a moment I'm like, okay, listener, pause, pause the episode. Here you go, pause. Okay. Rewind, listen to everything that Shannon just said and, and take some notes. I've got notes here next to me and I love it. Just keep moving forward, which you have done so well throughout your career and just unpacking so much of it today. Tell me this. I know you always have something coming up, but what's next for you?
1: Well, um, probably trying to find that work-life balance
2: that (laughs) (laughs) you just mentioned. (laughs) That I mentioned before, Um, you know, that's,
1: that's always tricky, especially now that we're balancing, you know, two companies, um, both having tremendous growth um, still, which is, you know, fabulous. And we're, um, but I have, you know, I think I've mentioned interior design a couple of times, you know, nursery decor, um, and we are designing a lot of new fabrics every year, and so now we've got this just wonderful collection of um, probably six years worth of, so maybe 12 seasons worth of fabrics, and um, I don't know, I've got one that's coming out for, well, actually, it's at Market Now. They're in Dallas showing our spring of 23, and every time I look at this dress, I just think, mm. That would make the best wallpaper. Oh, I have a, you know yes. adorable children's wallpaper. Oh, my. So um, that's kind of been on my back burner for okay. a while. I talked to a couple people about that and, um, you know, trying to come up with some sort of... Um, uh, wallpaper, fabric, that sort of thing to kind of um, fulfill that other side of me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well,
0: the, the sky is the limit. If we've learned anything this episode, Shannon, the sky is truly <laughs> the limit. Well, why not, um, you well, know? Exa- yes, why not? That's the other entity I'm telling why you. Not? Why not? Just keep moving why forward not? And why not? <laughs> well, oh my gosh, is there anything that we didn't cover today that you'd like to?
1: Not that I can think of other than, you know, um just uh how much we appreciate, you know, I'd love the opportunity to just say how much I appreciate all of our customers mm. um and who continue to purchase, you know, our our high-end clothing. Mm. Um and especially the last few years. Um, even through COVID, we've had our best years we've ever had the wow. the last two years and um and are you know continuing to see sales increase, um, not just on the online, um, which is where most people expected it, but mm-hmm. um, in wholesale. Mm-hmm. Um, our wholesalers, our boutiques, are um, just the the base and legs of our company, and um, they have done a tremendous job themselves, keeping themselves going and marketing and all of that and merchandising their stores. And we just so appreciate them and. Um, you know, it's just um t- to hear you, you know, on the introduction, it uh, it does make you kind of sit back and think, Wow, good, yeah I've done all this, <laughs> you know, with a lot of help. With yeah. a lot of help. Yeah. Um, obviously I'm the one who's saying, let's don't stop, keep moving forward. <laughs> but with a lot of help from, you know, fabulous team members, mm. family support, customers, mm. just I'm so thankful and that's really all I just want to say how thankful I am Mm. um, to have had this fabulous company that is, um, you know, been a part of our family and and everyone else's family allowing us as Little English to be a part of their their children's childhood. And, um, you know, that is what's so neat. Uh, I will say this. The other thing um, is, and this was sort of one of those wow moments for me. Yes. Um, Was I am now dressing children that I, children's children Uh who I dressed um, when I started the company, which is so neat. So some of these little gals that wore, you know, our nightgowns when they started out are now having babies Uh and they're coming back and they're, you know, so it's a second generation. company now which is so neat to that's amazing that, um, we're at
0: that point so oh that's amazing that and, means a lot and,
1: uh, and and we'll be here for a long time you know we're yes. a classic company and that's our goal is to stay classic and yes. stay relevant
0: and um you know, stay in front of everyone. So absolutely. Well, you guys have done just that, and I, I do believe that might be an HSDT first that the founder can say, you know what, I dress these ladies, and now we're dressing their kids. So it's just <laughs> too cool, Shannon. And and I know too, you guys have done such a fabulous job. You've had so many incredible collaborations with previous HSDT guests, uh, including yes, Sarah Gray. Right? Well yes. Yeah. So it, it's just cool to to think of the overlap that you guys are continuing to see as you move forward with with like-minded women. So I'd love to ask you, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story? Oh my gosh. There are so many of them, but I don't know if you, have you done
1: um, cute Lauren Hopkins?
0: No, we have not. Hey, she,
1: she and Carrie, you know, they own, um, they're our PR firm um, yes. and just spectacular ladies and what I love most is that they're so involved with, um, so many other women owned companies.
2: Yeah.
1: And, um, so the audiences that they're reaching out to, I think have a lot of overlap. Obviously their moms who have children who, you know, um, moms that are wearing, um, you know, maybe the women's clothes that they represent or, yes. um, uh, children's products or interior design or anything that's, you know, uh, that women are interested in. They seem to have all these just adorable um, companies that they work with. So that would be somebody. And then Chaffee um, who owns Chaffee Brayway, who owns Baby Brayway in Atlanta. Okay. She is one of our stores and just um, has such a lovely way about her and um, has a beautiful store. and she serves, you know, the Atlanta area, but also online customers as well. But I think it's a she has a really um, nice experience when you go in her store, and oh. I think has a, a neat story to tell as well.
0: Oh. Well, that's amazing. Thank you, thank you for such fabulous recommendations. You all will have to stay tuned for potential new episodes. Well, Shannon, I know many have likely already found you online. Perhaps they're over at your website checking out your beautiful pieces. But where can listeners connect with you?
1: Um, I guess on Instagram. I guess that <laughs> would that be the, that's perfect. That be the spot? <laughs> um, I think uh, I think I'm Shannon C. Latham. <sighs>
0: Fabulous.
1: Um, And Little English is at Little English? Yes, um, at Little English Clothing. Clothing,
0: perfect. Uh Shannon, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Listeners, you guys are going to want to go and check out all of her beautiful pieces for your kiddos in your life. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Sponsored by Annette Chatoyer. I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday for a new episode. We will talk to you soon.